0: Welcome to Bitcast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the Bitcast, the final Bitcast of the year 2020. And uh, what a year it's been, huh? I think at this point, everyone's said what they're going to say about this year. Really, since like. June, I think. People have kind of solidified the idea that this year isn't really a good one. Eh, You know what, I like to look at some of the upsides of things, including the year 2020. It was a pretty neat year for video gaming and podcasting, at least for me it was. Got to do a lot more episodes with some of my friends. I had to take a couple more breaks than, well, The first few breaks I've ever had to take with this show. Yeah, a little bit of a creative slump and falling behind on a lot of games. But whenever I could experience some games, there were some pretty good ones. So, let's go back and reminisce on the year together. I'll go through all the different games I experienced one way or another throughout the year. At the very beginning of the year, there wasn't really a whole lot going on for me. I'd just gotten off the Pokemon Shield train. It was in January, they added Byleth to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and I thought that was pretty cool because I liked Fire Emblem Three Houses, so yeah, more of that, please. At least that's what I thought at the time. Looking back, I don't know. Byleth was a fun addition, but I could have lived without them. Could have just been a bonus spirit, kind of like they did for Astral Chain or Cuphead or whatever like that. Uh, I believe Kingdom Hearts Remind, the DLC, came out. I never got that, though, even after I finally got Kingdom Hearts 3. I just thought it was too similar to the base game. It was just the whole endgame sequence, but with a couple extra cutscenes and a few extra bosses, but nothing really amazing that's kind of an example i think of of dlc being worse than an all-out new game because that was the only way they could do a final mix type experience without altering the canon or being way too abrupt with the flow of the main game i hope that by the time they get to kingdom hearts 4 or whatever the next main one's going to be that they'll have a bit more of a graceful implementation. A while after that, I played Breath of the Wild. Finally, after three years, I come back to the critically acclaimed Zelda game, and I give it another go. I give it a second chance, and I ended up really liking it. Not really, really liking it, like it was Majora's Mask or Twilight Princess, but I was able to have some fun with a game that I couldn't have before. I discussed that with my brother a bit. I was back during the springtime, I think, so winter was a little dry this year. Didn't really get a whole lot done. Didn't really experience a whole lot either. After Breath of the Wild, we were getting into the late spring, early summer months. Nintendo announced that they were going to add a character from ARMS to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, so I started getting into ARMS a bit. I played the free download version of the game for about maybe 20 minutes or so, and did a lot of research on the game. Did a whole episode on it. ARMS, to my knowledge, is a pretty neat game, but there's not really a whole lot to keep me with it. I feel like if they did an ARMS 2, they'll probably have a bit more going on for it. And they'll probably make Min Min a lot more prominent to capitalize on our Smash Brothers popularity. After that, it was roughly around the time I picked up a PlayStation 4. I got Kingdom Hearts 3, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Persona 5 Royal. Of those three games, Kingdom Hearts 3 is the only one I finished. I played it. I liked it. I even played it on hard mode just to see how easy it was, because I'd heard a lot of people talking about that, and uh, it was surprisingly easy. Final Fantasy VII Remake, I didn't get very far in that at all. I got about to the point where you meet Tifa for the first time, and I was just a little tired after that. I wasn't so into the gameplay. I had a few friends tell me a different way I could play it, but I, I don't know, just I felt like there was just a little too much going on at a time. I, I I wanted to like it, and I'm happy for the people that do like it, and I'm sure there's some real neat stuff there, but it's just not really appealing to me right now. And then Persona 5 Royal, I had every intention of going through the game, but I just kept getting distracted by other games. And this was back in... <laughs> I don't know, this was like May, June or something, probably like April or May, and now here we are at the end of December, and I've still got, like, I'm just past Kamoshida's palace. That's pretty much the beginning of the game still. Then, around that point, I watched Chugga Conroy's Let's Play of... Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX. I'd actually been watching a few of his Let's Plays throughout the year, but that was one of the ones that kind of stuck out to me the most. That one and Kirby Triple Deluxe. Uh, Mystery Dungeon DX, was my that Let's Play of it, was my first exposure to the original Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games because I hopped in with the sequels, Explorers of Time and Darkness, and... It's kind of neat to see what they tried to do before Explorers. A a little bit more of a primitive experience, even with all the new stuff they added, but it seems like a fun enough game. I'd be interested to see what they do with a Time and Darkness remake, or uh, let's be real, it would be an Explorers of the Sky remake, because that was the yellow version of that game. Then around that time late May, early June period, they released Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, and I remember not really being interested in that, but then the day it came out, I just got it on a whim. I just felt like it for some reason. I don't know why, but I did, and it was a pretty neat. I showed my dad a few of the cutscenes and stuff, some, some of my favorite boss fights with Metal Face, and it was a good time. I never finished it, though. I got about as far as, well, I don't know if this is considered a spoiler, but it was one of the later game areas when they start to get a little samey, if you know what I mean. One of those places. And I lost a half hour of progress because the Switch crashed, and between that and a lot of other obligations, I just haven't worked up the nerve to come back to it. This was a really bad year for RPGs for me, (laughs) and yet I would just keep playing them. I think Spongebob... Squarepants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated came out this year. I intended to play that because I didn't play too much of the original version, and apparently this is very much the same, or, well, I I don't know, I guess on a technical level, the speedrunners have found some differences, but anyway, it seems for someone like me, you might as well play one or the other, no need to play both, and hey, this one's right here, easier, more accessible now. Maybe sometime, though. I'm not too interested in it right now. A little while after that, when we get more into the solid summer months, was when I watched a whole lot of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 videos. The one where your sword is your girlfriend. And I remember being really impressed with the game. I wanted to like it when I got it a few years ago for Christmas, but then I just couldn't really get into it, there was just way too much to keep track of, and I was always just a little disappointed, kind of like with Bayonetta 2 and Breath of the Wild before it, so eventually, because I fell in love with the story and the world, and especially the soundtrack, I picked it up again, and I still haven't played any more of it, because this was the bad RPG year, but I still think that... I want to come back to it now. I I, I feel like if I can get comfortable with the game, I would definitely love playing more of it. And that includes the Torna DLC. I watched all the videos explaining that and showing what happened with that and how it fills a few of the holes in the story. It really does complement the main storyline very well. Little after that was when Paper Mario Origami King not only got announced, but released. I got it on my birthday. I just... I gotta imagine, on my mom's 27th birthday, she'd already had me for like two years, and my brother was on the way. For my 27th birthday, I get into a fight with giant talking colored pencils. There's a little bit of a difference between the way the two of us have lived our lives. So, Paper Mario Origami King. I don't remember if I did a full episode about it. I might have been waiting for someone else to do it with me, not sure, but... I did like the game a lot. In fact, in some ways I'd say it's even better than the original two games, or original three, if you liked Super. Now, in some ways it wasn't as good, but... I choose to think of the positives, and it was a really good time. I will say that it might have had the best soundtrack. It released up there with Thousand Year Door. Like The two are very close to me. D- definitely all the different variations of the battle theme in that game, that that just tops. Yeah, Origami King definitely gets the BitCast seal of approval. If I haven't already gone into more depth on the game, then I'll probably do that on another episode, but that's just kind of what you can expect, I guess. Uh, at some point during the summer, I watched a stream of Pokemon Snap. I remember this was the year that they announced the sequel to Pokemon Snap, and I'd always had some familiarity with the game. And I discussed it more in detail in the Bitcast's episode about Pokemon Snap. I just uh, I don't know. It's always been a just a neat game. Just A way to kill an afternoon, that's about it. I always thought Pokemon Snap had kind of a unique identity, especially helped by the fact that it was the only one, and it was also early enough in the series that people weren't too fussed over continuity and consistency just yet. There wasn't a whole lot to compare it to. Now, Pokemon Snap 2 will have a legacy that it has to fit in with, not just with the original game, but with Pokemon as a whole, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. I think it would be very easy for them to fail to live up to the hype, but I'm gonna be optimistic that it'll be a fun time that was basically most of my attention throughout the early autumn months until we get to the beginning of October when they announced Steve from Minecraft for Smash Brothers that, uh, I I didn't really want Steve, and I was a little disappointed when I first saw him, but I get it, Minecraft is a juggernaut, and you know what? I saw Steve's moveset, and even though I don't like playing as him after trying him out, I appreciate what they tried to do with him, and I'm sure that there are a number of players who could do all kinds of crazy tricks with him. Is just not really a character for me. But you know what? I have a lot of other characters I can play as instead, so I'm not really missing a whole lot. I tried it, I didn't like it, that's all there is to it. At one point this year, they announced Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, and then they released it, and then I played it over the course of two days. It's like it was the Kingdom Hearts game made for me. Just put all the Kingdom Hearts music front and center, there you go. Wasn't perfect, though. I think they could have had more boss battles instead of just putting boss music over regular stages, and they're definitely missing a couple of the worlds for, like, legal reasons, like anything to do with Pirates of the Caribbean or Tarzan. I also miss the Fantasia world, but I guess that's a little different since music is the whole point of that, and they didn't really want to make you do stuff with all the classical music there. Goes down as being the fourth Kingdom Hearts game I've actually beaten on my own without just watching someone else play it. And just to round out the trilogy of games that are released this year that I eventually beat, there was Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I did an episode with my friend Heffy to kind of react to the initial reveals and go over hopes I had for the game. Now I've actually played through all of it, and I might have alluded to this already, but I did like the game, and I intend to talk about it in more detail in an upcoming episode, possibly even the next one, we'll have to see. It definitely did a few things I wasn't expecting the game to do, while it also did some things I was kind of resigned to expecting it to do. It's a little hard to say without... Well, okay, basically what I was expecting was that they would just stick to Breath of the Wild and not touch the other games very much, and yeah, yeah, it's just the Breath of the Wild show, but you know what, that's that's fine, it makes a lot of sense. Anything else would have just been kind of just pandering to me specifically, which, I mean, I would have liked that, but I get what they were doing. In some ways, I think it's actually a better Warriors game than Hyrule Warriors 1 or at least a better synthesis of, like, the source material with the Warriors format, because it has fewer things to work with. It can just focus on the one game, Breath of the Wild, and have a better time of making it feel like it's part of that world, instead of trying to touch upon every Zelda possible. So, I I see the advantages to this approach, too. And then, just... Yesterday, I picked up a couple Mario games from a store. I picked up Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. After three years, I caved. I paid full price for a game that I already paid full price for several years ago on an older system. Not even counting the cost of DLC... I mean at least I don't own the original Mario Kart 8 anymore. I, I sold it off at some point. So, it does fill the Mario Kart 8 hole in my life, but oh, it's just I I have complicated feelings about that. And uh, honestly, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have really bought that game. I sh- This was a really interesting year for Nintendo. What I was thinking about before with the Mario 3D All-Stars, like that and a lot of the controversy surrounding their Smash Bros. tournaments, how they've disallowed a lot of them because of emulation reasons, it's just, Nintendo has gotten really uh, comfortable with themselves, let's put it generously. They're kind of building up a bit of a bad reputation, just kind of carrying themselves by the a love and affection people have for their properties, that they're letting their legal teams and bigwigs kind of do whatever they want, and... Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't think that's a good look. I-, I think this is really coming to a head after, like, years of this, and their refusal to mark down the price of any of their games is kind of what got me thinking about it, and it's a thing they've done in the past that kind of contributes to this. I don't know. I, I, I think it's bad form. They really gotta work harder on, on being more consumer-friendly. Not every game needs to be $60. They released three really old games for $60, with little more to that. Yeah, I got Mario 3D All-Stars at some point during the autumn. I forgot to talk about that, because I didn't really spend a whole lot of time with it. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna be real, though. This doesn't... Really affect anything I'm gonna do in the future. I'm still gonna buy their games because I bought Mario Kart Eight yesterday. I have no standards, and I'm painfully aware of this fact. Oh yeah, Sephiroth—that that happened too. They added him to Smash Brothers. You know what? Good for them. I'm glad we finally get a lot more Final Fantasy Seven love in there, and they really did. They added a bunch of good music. A lot of new remixes, a lot more spirit battles than I thought they would, and they even hyped up Sephiroth himself by making you fight him before unlocking him, if you had a certain DLC. And, really, just, I, I kind of wish they would do this for the remaining three characters, too. So, let's see, beside all that, I purchased the original two No More Heroes games, and Drawn to Life 2 Realms... And I've not played a significant amount of any of those games yet. So, I mean, I played No More Heroes 2 a long time ago on the Wii, but this was just a bad year for my progress. Like, I did make progress on a lot of games, it's just not as much as I would have wanted to because I kept being haunted by Xenoblades, like, oh I gotta get through an 80 hour game and then there's Xenoblade 2 and Persona 5R. It's just oh not a lot of RPGs should be released. And and with the whole pandemic thing, like I never had quarantine. I, I basically went to work consistently throughout all of it. I had reduced hours for a lot of it, but still, I, I didn't really get to stay home for days and days and days unless it was a vacation, which was standard. Like It wasn't a special occasion vacation, it was just what I get at that time of year. Yeah, I never really got the experience of, oh boy, time to sit down and play Persona 5 for a whole month. I guess it also warrants mentioning that this was the year of Animal Crossing, <laughs> Animal Crossing New Horizons came out. It was a massive runaway hit. <laughs> the Breath of the Wild of Animal Crossing. And uh, I I had no attachment to that. I I didn't care about it at all going into it. I didn't even actually get the game whatsoever. But I, I didn't care that it was announced and that it was coming up or that it was delayed. And then it came and people liked it. I expected that. People like their Animal Crossing. And then... People kept liking Animal Crossing over and over and over and over. For, like, the entire month of June, my Twitter feed was nothing but political outrage and Animal Crossing. No no breaks. And it was really tiring. I I, I just... I, I never got Animal Crossing. I tried playing it with New Leaf on the Amiibo version where they updated the game a lot, and I even asked my friends, like, hey, I didn't like New Leaf, would I like New Horizons? And they were like, it's basically more New Leaf. So I'm like, cool, cool, everyone's really fawning over this game that I know I wouldn't really like. And that's always frustrating. And New Horizons will always go down now as one of the most successful games of the year, of the console, of the company... It really could not have come out at a better time. It, it took the whole quarantine thing and ran with it. And on top of me not liking Animal Crossing very much, there's the fact that I didn't have a quarantine. So there's just like two strikes against it already for me. I got a little annoyed of hearing everyone talk about it all the time. To the point where some of my friends were like, okay, you're being a little mean. We really like this game. You gotta stop it. And I was like, no. So yeah, yeah, this was supposed to be a more positive look, but I guess it it, kind of started out that way and there are a lot of positive moments, but I guess even I'm not immune to the 2020, a bit more bitter than I thought I was. But hey, it's over now. We made it. We're all here together. It's gonna be 2021 tomorrow. It'll be a new world with new opportunities new experiences. So let's take it one day at a time. You do your best, I'll do my best, and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening. Listen to BidCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.